Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a podcast from The Bugle. There was a boy whose name was Jim, whose friends were very good to him. They fed him tea and cakes and jam and slices of delicious ham and read him stories through and through and even took him to the zoo. And there it was, the dreadful fate befell him, which I now relate. You know, at least you ought to know, that you are listening to The Gargle, the sonic glossy magazine to the Bugle's audio newspaper for a visual world. I'm your host, Alice Fraser, and your guest editors for this week's edition of the magazine are Tom Neenan and James Colley. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. I really need to uh, get better at introducing the editors separately so that they each have time to say something, uh, rather than just as though you were interchangeable white men. <laughs> well. I felt bad that we didn't synchronise on that, because when you <laughs> went hello and I went thank you, you're like, ah, oh, I should have tried to do a hello one-fifth up. Oh, oh. harmonising editors, that'd be beautiful. <laughs> this is what happens when you have too many men in a room, they start barbershopping. <laughs> <laughs> Before we slap our sweaty hands on each other's buxom hips and plunge into the conga line that is this week's magazine, let's first have a look at the front cover. The front cover this week is a time-style noble face shot of the Gargle's new owner, non-reclusive billionaire Elon Musk. (laughs) Yes, didn't make the news, but we were a side deal off the main purchase of Twitter. The headlines read, Long live the king, the king will protect our freedom of speech. The king wants us to criticise him, and I for one believe the king. You can always trust the king to have your best interests at heart. (laughs) Uh, Have you been following this uh, new world that we're about to tweet into? (laughs) Mm-hmm. I think it's exciting. Like I, I, I quite like Elon Musk's products, and I'm glad to finally have one. That when I send it off and it's a bit misguided, it doesn't kill someone and catch on fire. <laughs> <laughs> My best friend Joseph is a massive fan of Elon Musk, so I've been having to hear him uh, sing his praises all week. And he's sort of talking oh, about how he's taking it to the Saudi billionaires who own pieces of Twitter. And I feel like, as against the Saudi billionaires, I back Elon Musk. But as against mm-hmm. me, can I be on my side? 
the sympathy I do have for the situation is this is billionaire shit and this is what I want them to be doing. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll be less morally opposed to billionaires existing in general if more of them were like, I like this app. It's mine now. (laughs) I feel like that's how being a billionaire should work. Oh, there's no parking here? I now own this town and all the cars in it so I can just (laughs) abandon this car on the street. That's how being a billionaire should go. Yeah, true, true. I feel like if you're not buying Twitter, you should be bu- buying the ocean or something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're going to have full-on g- evil geniuses. Next step, the moon. <laughs> and it's going to be a laser, but it'll be like a laser hair removal on the moon. I love for the people on Twitter are sort of saying, well, what will become of us? You sort of think, well, you can, you know, sometimes not use Twitter and then people on Twitter get very angry with you because they're on Twitter. So, um, yeah, I'd encourage people to know that just think about what life was like back in, what, 2007 before Twitter and how everything Mm. was probably better then. And we could all be living in the the 2007 utopia again if we um, if we just logged off. It is a good point because everyone's always like, "Oh, well, he's going to ruin the website." And you're like, "At which point was this functioning? <laughs> <laughs> what point were we having a good time on here?" It's all been downhill since we had 140 characters. Oh man, I got that wrong the first time. I'm glad they let us have an edit button now. Thanks, Elon Musk. <laughs> and I can say a slur. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Japanese inventors, and just to interrupt myself before I get too into the story, is there any pair of words more ripe with promise than the phrase Japanese inventors? Japanese inventors have decided that in order to cut salt from the diet, they needed to invent uh, salt-enhancing chopsticks, uh, one of which links into a wristband and brings out the salt ions in the food that you're eating with the chopsticks so that food tastes more salty than it is, so you can add less salt to the food, so you're more, more likely to not have a heart attack. This is a magic wand. In terms of like other magic, I would say I would like this to ha- have other options that you could make t- food taste saltier or sweeter so I can just serve bland pap at my dinner parties and then conduct a psychedelic <laughs> flavour experience. <laughs> Tom Neenan, you mm. look like you've used a pair of psychedelic chopsticks before. Can you unpack <laughs> this story a bit more? I love them. I love them. Food tastes like uh, memories if you use psychedelic chopsticks. It's so exciting. <laughs> I actually have a fork that makes things taste more salty because um, I just haven't cleaned it. Uh, but <laughs> it's quite an interesting thing. This So, so it's the chopsticks which make food taste... Uh, I believe it's 1.5 times saltier uh, by activating the, the sodium particles, which does pose the question, what if you use the chopsticks to eat salt? Would the, cho- <laughs> would the chopsticks make the salt taste 1.5 times saltier than salt? In which case, what salty mess are you putting into your mouth? Because that's going to be, you're getting 250% or 150% more salt from your salt. Um, someone has to try this, please. I need to know how this works. I think it breaks the law of entropy. I think that could <laughs> think be the death of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like putting Google into Google. Do not eat salt with these chopsticks. <laughs> it's terrifying. Basically, there's, from what I understand, there is a um, sort of a pack on your wrist that you have and it makes the, the chopsticks vibrate and that, that's what happens. Because obviously um, having too much sodium can lead to heart attacks. But this, these chopsticks by vibrating just make it feel like you're constantly having a heart attack. <laughs> which um, is, I guess, preferable. They're also developing other ideas sort of with the same technology. Like, one, uh, I believe they're working on a lickable television, which is an answer to a question no one asked. I mean, my favourite TV show is Breaking Bad, so I can't wait to see finally find out what meth tastes like, um, which is very exciting. Yeah, it's um, good for them, I guess, for trying to protect people. 
alternatively just develop uh, a taste for less salt, which I think is cheaper, really. Yeah, that's one of the big problems I have with this. Firstly, very excited to taste Jeremy Clarkson. I think it'll taste like an old prune left out in the sun. I, I just don't think I've ever met someone who has a lot of salt in their diet and puts the salt on after tasting the meal. It's always salt first, and then I'll taste and see if I need more and more salt on that point. There's no base element of zero salt. And I think that like <laughs> this would be more effective. If you're barking this as a diet measure, it would be more effective if it worked like the board game operation and just electrocuted me whenever I tried to pick up anything. So it's like, like Pavlovian dieting. A lot of salivation, not a lot of consummation which i assume means eating things consuming them and not having sex with the food but i'm happy for either result <laughs> well i mean that's a that's an interesting thing there was a one of those tor- terrible fad diets in the 90s for supermodels who wanted to not eat anything which was called the chopstick diet back before people knew how to use chopsticks effectively <laughs> it was it was good for westerners and they you know that to try and eat non-chopsticky food with chopsticks like soup and steak i assume but that was a real that was a real mm. thing I was wondering about soup with this because often, like soup is something that often needs a touch of salt in it, but this is the one device that is severely not helpful for that situation. But could I just rest the chopsticks in there and then eat it with a spoon and I'm constantly getting a little bit of a salt blast or at the least mild electrocution? I mean, so long as there isn't rice at the bottom of the bowl because if you have chopsticks upright in rice, it's considered bad manners. Oh, interesting. Because it's like incense at a funeral. Is it because it looks like two fingers up or something? No, it's like incense at a funeral. But yes, sure. It's also like a big two ah. fingers up at you, depending on which culture you belong to. This is terrible because I've been resting my chopsticks while I flip people off. <laughs> <laughs> at a funeral. That's all the time we have for our tech yeah. chopstick news because now it's time for your ads. Your ad section now because you can't be what you can't buy. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Cryptocurrency. You're not getting scammed. You're investing in the opportunity to scam someone else. (laughs) Uh, That's Rugpull Technology bringing you the gargle today. Did you know I've just been asked to give a talk on NFTs at Copenhagen University? Wow. (laughs) Are you going to not give them the talk? Are you just going to give them a receipt of your, uh, give them the invoice for your talk? I'll give them the right to claim that they've seen the talk. (laughs) Yeah. even though they definitely have not seen the talk. Mm. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by me, Alice Fraser. Yes, I've bought ad space on this podcast, as you can too. I'm using my ad space to tell you that you can buy ad space and also to make an announcement. As you know, I'm good friends with a number of famous writers, including self-published romance maven and online bestseller, Dancy Lagarde. And it's in my role as patron of the literary arts that I would like to announce the first real legitimate Buellverse writing competition, jointly funded by me and Dancy. Previous winners include Hunter S. Thompson and Neil Gaiman. The prize money will be £12,000 plus and will be provided by me, Alice Fraser, in the form of £200 of real money, £10,000 of a patented new cryptocurrency backed by pork-barrelling Lagarde sales, and the plus is constituted of half a glass of water. The details are on my Patreon, but not behind a paywall, so you don't have to subscribe to see them. I'm not a monster. I'm just too lazy to build a website for it, and I'm literally springing this on Ped and Chris right now. Submissions <laughs> are due in a month, and they should constitute any chapter of one of the existing Dancy Lagarde books whose synopses are available in this dimension, but whose full text is not. Email us at hellobuglers at thebuglepodcast.com if you would like me to read one of your ads on this thing. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now it's time for rescue news. And a woman has been rescued after foiling into the toilet trying to rescue her phone. This is a chain of rescuing that brings only shame to all the families involved. James Colley, you've leapt into an open toilet before. Can you unpack this story? I did it by choice. I'm talking about Twitter, of course. <laughs> First off, it's worth saying we're all glad that you're okay, Alice, and thank you for still joining us today. Uh, <laughs> this is a Looney Tune situation. Okay, so a woman dropped her cell phone into the hole of an outhouse on top of a mountain, breaks apart the toilet, she then uses dog leashes to try and get out, which... This did not get a mention in the story, but I feel is important. Not only did it not work, it also presumably meant there were a few dogs running around <laughs> just to add to the chaos. <laughs> and then, unable to get to use this as a kind of, 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 of fly fishing line to retrieve her phone, she then ties the leashes <laughs> to herself and tries to descend Mission Impossible style down into the outhouse. The police chief quotes here is, it didn't work very well as she fell in, which is about <laughs> as bad as that could go. And you have to wonder how many, and I'm going to say milliseconds, did you have where you thought that would work before you realised it absolutely <laughs> wouldn't? Also, the police chief understatement, this didn't work very well, when he meant it didn't work at all. It a great deal of ex- public expense and bother. Didn't work even a little bit very much designed to leash dogs and (laughs) hoist a fully grown person into an outhouse. And then she's trapped in this hell and it appears she's trapped in there for, quote, 10 to 15 minutes before calling police. And you know... That is one of the more humble moments in anyone's life. <laughs> 10 to 15 minutes you stand there being like, you know what, I am going to try and get out one more time. Well, I've made it worse. Well, now I definitely can't admit I've done this. I'm going to try and get out one more time. Well, it's much, much worse now, but I definitely can't call now. Well, I mean, could she call on her phone or did someone else call on her behalf? Because... <laughs> well, someone knocked on the door and she said, I'm in here. And they went, oh, sorry, and left. <laughs> Tom Neenan, have you ever been trapped in a mess of your own making? Oh, <laughs> constantly. Um, this, this is why I really feel for this woman. But the one thing I cannot get on board with is the fact that she uh, would want the phone back. If I drop my phone anywhere near a toilet, I am not just getting a new phone. Just to be sure, I'm changing my number as well. That is a dirty <laughs> number now. I want nothing to do with it. 
I mean, yeah, what what an amazing thing. Like you say, she used dog leashes to, to you know, it, it does sadly rob us of the opportunity of someone going, oh, this woman's gone missing. Do we have any leads? And then someone else <laughs> going, no, we don't have those either, um, which is uh, which is a real shame. But um, but yeah, what what an, what a like uh, you know like you're saying, what an absolutely humbling moment for somebody to. I think the bit of the story that I don't understand, which uh, which was alluded to, was the fact that she disassembled the toilet seat in order to get down there. I want to know what was involved in that process. I mean, did she just unscrew it or was, were, were there saws involved? Or did she disassemble the toilet seat in the way that like some of my friends might sort of boastfully say um, when they, they've just left the loo after a particularly awful bowel movement and go, I absolutely disassembled that <laughs> toilet seat. I hope she's okay. But, you know, it's not often that you get to, you know, revisit your food a day later and then 10 minutes later as well. But yeah, that that poor woman, I, I hope she... Do we know if she's okay? Like, we know that she's out at least, but we don't know how, how well she's doing. It did say, like, part of the story was uh, they strongly suggested that she w- wash herself immediately afterwards, but she chose to leave the area, which... I can relate to that choice being made. (laughs) Absolutely, I will. I absolutely will. But right now, I need to get away from any human eyes that have seen this situation. (laughs) And I need to never see any of you ever again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because what's she got? She's got paper. She's got loo paper in order to clean herself up. And that's it. And that isn't enough. That isn't enough to, uh, to, to make yourself feel sanitary, I think. And it's awful. It must be awful, right? You call, you call, it's America, you call 911, you're in this tor- terrible situation, and they're like, oh, were you calling me from the toilet? Dude, that's not okay. <laughs> that's so impolite. I think I just don't know how American outhouses work, because when I first saw this, and I heard that a woman had sort of fallen into the toilet for her phone, I was imagining a, like a borrower, like Stuart Little, um, mm. I wasn't imagining a fully grown woman because just the idea that uh, certainly in the UK falling in falling in your toilet you'd need to be at least uh, like two foot tall or something. Oh, and American toilets have so much water; it's more of a drowning hazard than being stuck in there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all the time we have for our toilet rescue news. Because now it's time for our reviews. As you know, each week we ask our guest editors to bring in something to review out of five stars. Uh, this week we begin with Tom Neenan. What have you brought in for us? Certainly. Uh, Today, I've brought into review my memory that this podcast has a review section. So uh, bear with me if you will, because it starts well. It starts with a solid five stars when I receive uh, an email that reminds me that uh, I should be putting together a review section. I'm excited. I'm thinking, what could I do? Maybe I'll review Twitter for Elon Musk, try and drive down the... um, drive down the stock, the, the stock value or something. And I'm like, oh, my, my, my brain is alight with possibilities. Five stars all around. I'm so excited. Cut to yesterday night, when I'd say my memory that this podcast has a review section dips to, I mean, below one star. If I can give half a star to my memory on this section, <laughs> then that's what it's going for. Uh, so what I don't do is sort of give it any thought at all. Uh, this continues, this this half a star's worth of memory, I think, continues to roughly about, um, I'd say about maybe a minute ago, uh, when uh, Alice Fraser, the brilliant Alice Fraser says, um, uh, now it's time for our review section. And then my memory that this podcast has a review section, one of my favourite sections, I'll be honest, a really fun thing to do, rockets way back up to five stars. Um, <laughs> but sadly, at that stage... My ability to do anything about it, to affect the future in any way, is sort of diminished. 
So then sort of the, while my memory of the, uh, of the review section is at five stars, I'd say my actual review section is going to be compromised to about two and a half stars. But um, hopefully that's enough for now. And so, yeah, I'd give my memory that this podcast has a review section somewhere in the middle. I'm going to give it three and a half stars overall. And I hope I've covered. <laughs> you've done, you've done remarkably well. Thank you. <laughs> uh, James Colley, what have you brought in for us? I had a couple of things to review here. Uh, the first was I picked up this book on the uh, weekend, which is The uh, Ultimand and Das Mir, which is uh, Ernest Hemingway in his original German, which is just beautiful to read. Hermingstrasser, <laughs> sorry, in his original German, which is beautiful. But uh, I want to actually review plants. I've gotten very into uh, buying plants, growing my own vegetables, tending to them. And if you're interested in it, uh, you can go out and get all the supplies. That takes about a weekend, maybe a year of work to get it really going. But then for just <laughs> seven, $800, you can be saving up to $1.50 a week. And if you have been looking for the opportunity to kill something with your bare hands, can I interest you in plants? Because no matter how hard you try, you are going to do it and you'll have no one else to blame. So that's plants. Four stars. Now it's time for your floriculture news. Uh, this is the news that there's been an absolute massacre of daffodils by Cornwall Council in this kind of like new nanny state, I guess. This new nanny state vibe have, have destroyed Word, Wordsworth's favourite flower. Uh, James Colley, you're the gardener here. Can you unpack this story? Yeah, so this is 1,000 1, daffodils were cut, which... You're right, does sound like something out of just a tedious poem, but 1,000 daffodils were cut <laughs> to ensure children would not eat them because, as uh, the Count said, uh, they're poisonous. If eaten, they could give you diarrhea, which I feel like on that basis, they should dig up all the dirt in the park as well and concrete over it because dirt, if ingested in large amounts, would also not be good for kids. And it then creates an interesting precedent by which we can assume everything left inside that playground is now entirely edible so go nuts kids lick anything you want it's all fine <laughs> the opposition to this move called it ludicrous they said are they going to put up signs next that say don't eat the daffodils although i have to say as an opposition that's ludicrous because they've already cut them down <laughs> they're just leaving a pile of daffodils handily cut into bite size i don't think the sign is necessary anymore and i'm not sure if daffodil eating and reading is necessarily the same age group that they're aiming for well, also if there's a sign that says don't eat the daffodils and no daffodils someone's going to show up and be like oh someone got here first <laughs> someone's already Damn, done it daffodils must be delicious i mean that's why they paved for paradise and put up a parking lot because uh, the fruit of knowledge was in paradise and they decided that that was not edible uh, that's a bible joke i've read a bible <laughs> not the bible just a bible you've read one bible are they all the same i don't know they all varied i think god put in different like little alterations here and there uh, to keep people on their toes is what i've heard yeah it's, it's sometimes it's Thou shalt not eat the daffodils. Sometimes it's thou shalt not covet thy neighbour's daffodils. <laughs> this is the thing. I mean, was there a rash of children getting rashes from eating flowers in the park? Or I don't. In their defence, daffodils look absolutely delicious. They are they're <laughs> part of Easter. Like they're they're a big Easter thing, and everything else to do with Easter is is brilliant to eat. Hot cross buns, chocolate eggs, rabbits. 
you know, all really tasty. So I would say that, um, yeah, good, good, like good for them. One thing I was wondering what would drive people to um, to eat daffodils, but then I noticed that the town council which has done this is called St Blaise. Now, <laughs> listeners, I'm doing the I'm doing the toking on a marijuana cigarette movement here uh, to suggest that 420 baby, everyone had the munchies in St Blaise's uh, town council, and that the the thing they went to was um, the daffodils to uh, to get their fix. That's what I think happened. I'm doing the calling uh, the police on a cell phone gesture to a report this mimed drug use that I do not approve of. <laughs> oh God, I'm miming being arrested. I'm miming being arrested. <laughs> I mean, this is a very heavily mime podcast. And I love it. <laughs> Can we get nominated for an award now? Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> That's all the time we have for the daffodils because now it's time for our old comedy section. There's been an online debate about whether Steve Martin's song, King Tut, in which he sings King Tut and is dressed up as a sort of a cartoon Egyptian, whether that has stood the test of time or whether it's about cultural appropriation or whether it is cultural appropriation, uh, whether it's a silly sketch that is still funny or it's a silly sketch that is not still funny. There's a lot of people willing to draw metaphorical swords at one another over this. Tom Neenan, what is the first thing you remember finding funny and does it stand up and should it stand up? Okay. It's basically I thought of a fun one because I tried to remember the last time, like a time in primary school that me and my friends absolutely couldn't stop laughing uh, because they're the they're the most fun times. And what I remembered, and this is to do with I guess a bit of pop cultural appropriation, a bit about a song, a bit about other things. Is are any of you familiar with the song um, Ico Ico, but uh, made most famous by the Dixie Cups? So yes. it's a it's a song which has sort of lots of political meaning and is is you know is is incredibly important to a lot of people. Uh, when me and my friends heard it, I don't know if you know the, the, the first few lyrics are: um, My grandma and your grandma were sitting by the fire. My grandma oh, yeah. told your grandma, "I'm going to set your flag on fire." It's 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 uh, yeah, it's sort of very heavy with with meaning. This song. What me and my friends did is just thought it'd be really funny to sing uh, just my grandma and your grandma, 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 grandma. My grandma and your grandma, 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 <laughs> and then just repeat the word grandma over and over again. When we were seven, seven or eight, it was the funniest thing. I think we spent like two lunchtimes just crying, laughing, going, my grandma and your grandma, 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 grandma. And I don't know if that is now either cultural appropriation or inappropriate, but even the memory of it now, I'm like, that was a that was a good two days I think we spent on on that song. Also, I'm now going to coin the phrase cultural inappropriation. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel bad for Steve Martin because, yeah, if I had had my own television show as a seven-year-old, which I think, here's an idea, just give a random seven-year-old a TV show. I'd love to watch that. I think Netflix is trying that. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, then I would have definitely thought that that was like a crown jewel of our comedy, and I still kind of do. Um, so, so I think, it, I, yeah, I, I feel for Steve Martin in this in this sense. James Colley, uh, what's the first thing you remember finding funny, and does it still stand up? Peekaboo was the first thing I found particularly funny, and I'm sorry to say it has not held up. Object permanence really takes a lot of the heat out of Peekaboo. Now, being the Peekabooer is better than ever, I've got to say, but it doesn't really hold up. No, mine mine is uh, an old cartoon show I used to love called Earthworm Jim about a, a funny superhero worm and his dog sidekick. And I would say, like, it has, looking back, aged in a very modern way. Because I went back and I watched some of the show, and if anything, I find it 
funnier than ever now that I'm older and can understand more of what's going on. And I've also discovered that the creator is a massive transphobe. So that's the way nostalgia <laughs> works now. The material itself may well hold up and you'll find new things to love, but sorry, the creators are all transphobes. That's what happened in the 90s. You got successful and you hated trans people for no particular reason. Well, I think I think uh, it was something to do with the suits. I feel like mm. the suits were a big thing in the in the 90s and early 2000s. The bigger the suit, the bigger the man. If you didn't look like a toddler playing dress-ups, you were not an important person. Because Earthworm Jim is famously, famously a worm that had a super suit fall on him. And I thought, like, did that give him the power of transphobia? <laughs> is that what happens? The suit falls, he goes from being a worm to being overly concerned about women's sport and who's coming 16th in local swim meets. <laughs> Think about, I think it's at times like this, we should really praise the king that is Tony Hawk for being a <laughs> 90s celebrity who has remained unproblematic. What an achievement that, that, that has made. My policy is just never find out anything, That's that, which is <laughs> difficult as a news satire podcaster, but I try really hard. Oh, the, as soon as someone you adore has a political view section on their Wikipedia, close the page. Close it, move on. <laughs> Very wise. I mean, given that the first show that I was allowed to watch on television was The Adventures of Lois and Clark with Dean Cain, and then uh, after that I watched Hercules with Kevin Sorbo. Um, and then after that I was allowed to watch Xena. We were allowed to watch one show a week, and I think we just did the ones that were advertised in the same slot, Xena Warrior Princess. <laughs> Lucy Lawless, you're my final shining hope. Please just stay <laughs> Lucy Lawless. That's, that's all I ask, please. I like... I like watched a lot of so like similarly mine was a lot of like tv and stuff and i bonded with my dad over mash mash was my favorite show still still mash holds up um but it did remind me tom of my favorite game which is always singing the name of a show to its theme song like mad men mad men mad men like it's a crazy example. but mash there are a few things more fun than mash 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 it is time for game of thrones <laughs> it's very fun you're right that is that is that that should be a whole section on the on itunes playlists and stuff should just be should be those <laughs> I mean, even better than that is the one that like infuriates the listener, like Star Trek, da da da, Star Trek, da da da, Star Trek, da da da. da. <laughs> and that's all the time we have for our old comedy section. Write in to us at Hello Garglers on Twitter if you have some old comedy and tell us whether it holds up now and whether it should hold up now. And now it's time for our final section of this week's episode of the podcast. It is our noise news section. Uh, and this is the news that somebody who lives near an airport doesn't like living near an airport. James, Foley, can you unpack this nuisance news now? I love this story because, as you know, Alice, Sydney is the world's capital for someone moving next to a busy place and then trying to get it shut down because it's making noise. <laughs> uh, so one person has made over 12,000 noise complaints to Dublin Airport over the course of a year based on the noise of flights. And now the year before, they put in over 6,000. And it doesn't correlate with flights resuming as traffic has only increased by 10%. It's the ultimate version of moving somewhere and complaining about that noise. And I, I think this is one of the funniest 
bit you can do. I actually live near Sydney <laughs> Airport, and I think I might just get on the phone every time a plane goes over. And he's like, I don't know what the hell you're doing over there, but it is quite loud. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm hoping this person doesn't know what an airport is, what a plane is, or how it functions. That they just think there's a big share house next door. They have weird kind of craft worky and vibes to their music collection, <laughs> and they play it all very loudly, and they're very, very rude about it. <laughs> Tom Neenan, how many noise complaints have you called in on Dublin Airport? Fortunately, uh, uh, it's it's a fair way away, but you know, my, I've got it on speed dial, which is I'm assuming what this person must do, right? They must just have it on speed dial and make it their full time job to make noise complaints. Um, oh, to be that retired. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing if all of the noise complaints were about sex noises, though, and nothing to do with airplanes at all? Just like there's some orgies going on at Dublin Airport, and that's what they want to complain about. I'm always wary about telling people just to move, but this is this is there are plane spotters. There's that guy. I don't know if you know. There's that guy who loves trains, who does like a YouTube video. You know, surely there must be the equivalent for planes who'd actually really appreciate living by Dublin Airport. So maybe like do a swap or something. Imagine if there's someone who loves like Irish planes who is living in this, like, tranquil, beautiful part of, like, I don't know, Sweden or something, and he's just desperate to see the, you know, various planes going overhead. They should just swap and make each other's lives happier. They should do a sliding scale of flight prices. The closer you live to an airport, the cheaper your flight is, just to make up for the noise complaint. Also, given that it's Dublin Airport, uh, it's probably not the noise of the planes taking off. It's probably people looking at the sticker shock on the additional pricing on Ryanair flights uh, and going, come on, come on. What, are you going to make me pay to wear shoes on the flight now? <laughs> Imagine Dublin Airport, you know, the, the flights were quite quiet. It's just they had the loudest metal detector you've ever heard. And that was what was annoying me. <laughs> I, I do think there is a hero in this story, which is the person who is stuck 12,000 times over the course of a year, picking up a phone and being like, yeah, no, is it a plane again? Oh, no. Yeah, well, I, I reckon it will be quite... Well, I'll have a word with the pilot and we'll get back to you. Yeah, I'll talk to you again in 15 minutes from gate 16, <laughs> 17 minutes from gate 19. <laughs> And that's all the time we have for this episode of The Gargle. I'm flipping through the ad section at the back. James Colley, have you got anything to plug? Yeah, I do a podcast called Vanity Project with comedian Bridie Connell where we go through albums done by people who shouldn't necessarily be making an album. Uh, The most recent episode is Muhammad Ali's comedy record, which I didn't know existed (laughs) and is so much better than it has any right to be. Oh, wow. Vanity Project is the podcast James Colley and Bridie Connell Uh, Very funny people. Go listen to that. Tom Neenan, have you got anything to plug? As usual, I have so many pending projects that are are not here, but I would like to plug um, The the Hauntening, uh, which is available to buy, which is my uh, Radio 4 series. Uh, Now in its fourth fourth series coming out in October, but you can buy the previous three via Penguin Audiobooks, I think, um, and uh, various other Audible Books uh, vendors. Probably can get that via my website or from uh, the Positive Productions website as well. So check that out. Also check out my uh, Elon Musk-owned Twitter, at T. Neenan as well, um, which uh, will just be, I think, uh, turning into an account which is just tweeting that image of Elon Musk and Gillian Maxwell at a party uh, over and over again from here on out. I'd like to say thank you to our roving reporters this week, a Mammal of Mystery, who sent in the electric salty chopstick story, Nick Denny, who sent in the toilet rescue story, VB, who sent in the daffodil story, and Miss Otis, who sent in the Dublin Airport noise complaint story. If you would like to send in a story, if you'd like to be a roving reporter on the Gargle, tweet us at Hello Garglers on 
our benevolent overlord's new vanity project. <laughs> I'm Alice Fraser. I'm your host. Find me online at, at alliterative on Twitter and Instagram. That's A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E or patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. That's a one-stop shop for all of my stand-up special podcasts and blogs. I'm also on tour going to Sydney, Perth, London, Edinburgh, and uh, then back here, I assume, at some point. This is a Bugle podcast, an Alice Fraser production. Your editor is Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. I'll talk to you again next week. You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. My grandma and your grandma. Grandma, grandma, grandma. My grandma and your grandma. Grandma, grandma, grandma. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com